Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to The Or Whatever Movies. What's happening? The Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. But here's a bit of advice. My most significant contribution to this podcast, drop the the. (laughs) Just Or Whatever Movies. But in this case, the Facebook movie is what everyone referred to it as, which I get it could feel kind of dated or whatever, but it's still better than the social network. Is it meant to have a deeper meaning beyond just Facebook that they didn't want to name, even though it's Facebook nonstop throughout the movie? Or was there a deeper social network within? Ooh, deep. Meta. I think they just can't call it. Wow, you said meta. And Facebook, let's face it, was much cooler when this movie was released. But still, it sounds to me like the Facebook movie, the Angry Birds movie, the Emoji movie. And when you hear the heavy hitters that were behind this movie, I had hope. But it was, I was like, seriously, David Fincher's doing the Facebook movie? Okay. But you mentioned this when we were talking about The Big Short because you were talking about what a departure The Big Short was for writer-director... Adam McKay. Correct. Was that a test? Like a quiz? That wasn't a quiz. I just forgot. And this is a a bit of a departure for David Fincher, although, as we discussed in Seven, he has kind of been all over the map. Yes, and Mank proved that. But at the time, the social network seemed like a massive departure when we knew him for stuff like Seven. And then immediately after this, he kind of returned to what people thought was form with the girl with the dragon tattoo, the American version, which didn't go anywhere. But this one was a surprise for me. Likewise, you think, you know, wait, uh, the the one that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor won best score for at the Academy Awards was the Facebook movie. That's what they scored. <laughs> a lot of unlikely characters behind this project, from David Fincher to Atticus Ross. Atticus Ross, yeah, and Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor's the name from Nine Inch Nails. Right, but Atticus Ross is now part of Nine Inch Nails, too. Oh, uh, and then including maybe to a lesser extent Justin Timberlake, who is kind of only just entering into his acting career. Yeah, I thought this was a strong entry for him in particular. I don't think he's a bad actor. Like, he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, maybe like Ariana Grande did in Don't Look up basically because she was playing Mm. herself Mm -hmm. but uh you know this is 2010 this is a lifetime ago you have jesse eisenberg and you have justin timberlake and then you have andrew garfield before (laughs) spider-man and it and it turns out in this day and age andrew garfield seems to be not only the strongest but the most consistently working actor of the three of them yeah from his film with scorsese to Lin-Manuel Miranda, lots of different directors and leading man roles uh, come a long way from his Spidey days. And yet I also forgot completely that Andrew Garfield was in the social network, probably because he wasn't really Andrew Garfield yet. Right. It was pre-Spider-Man and Spider-Man was a huge deal for him. And when that dried up, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, is this the end of this random British guy who played Spider-Man? 
and I was wrong. Every time you remind me that he's British, like, I wonder, has he ever been in a movie where he's had his natural British accent? I cannot recall personally. Look, I haven't seen every Andrew Garfield movie, but in interviews, it's jarring. It's like Adele. It's like so strong. You'd wonder how he would ever suppress it or change it. Like it's, it's a pretty strong accent. But you think about this movie in terms of the players, I firmly believe this is the best Jesse Eisenberg movie because he basically plays Jesse Eisenberg as far as I can tell. <laughs> I don't know if Justin Timberlake plays himself, but Andrew Garfield as Eduardo Saverin is the most emotive character in this movie. Mm -hmm. If anyone is yelling or selling the drama, it's, it's Eduardo, right? Yeah, when he blows up at the office at the end, it's very powerful. And it's yeah. because he was the long-suffering friend for so long that when Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg finally pushes him to the limits, finally pushes him to the edge, you really feel it when he explodes. Yeah, it's really hard to watch given that he was the guy trying to be the team player, trying to be the, the only friend, trying to just stay in the loop. And to have Sean Parker come in and mess that up for him and then be such a jerk to him when uh, he finds out that his shares have been diluted that hopelessness of being blindsided when it obviously stops being friendly and I guess being personal and becomes much more professional sabotage. When I look back at the conversation they have, I want to say Mark Zuckerberg, but it really is just Jesse Eisenberg's version of Mark Zuckerberg or Aaron Sorkin's ver version of Mark Zuckerberg. Like, I have a hard time believing that Mark Zuckerberg is actually this spiteful and socially inept. But anyway, when Jesse Eisenberg's talking by the pool and he's like, Eduardo, I need my CFO. Like, did you know at that point that he was completely playing him? No, no clue. Mostly because, yes, this movie was a complete surprise. I certainly hadn't researched the intrigue behind Facebook and its rise to prominence or anything. So I didn't know what that what had happened in real life. And, of course, how that was kind of changed for what happened in the movie. It seemed genuine because uh, Eduardo is so earnest when he makes the appeal, when he says, I'm not a part of Facebook. All that, he's still speaking to his friend or, you know, who was his friend. But when he says, I need my CFO, I thought he was finally responding to a guy who may have had, you know, like advertising limited potential. This could be a million dollar website kind of thing if we could just get the right <laughs> ad revenue. But I thought, you know, the company's changing. It's moving so much faster than we ever thought, which is what Zuckerberg uh, or Eisenberg, I guess, said in the movie. I thought finally, Eduardo, who's the hardest working and thus is out getting FaceTime with people is finally being kind of ushered in the right direction with everybody else. Stop what you're doing and come along because he didn't know what was happening. He said, how much could possibly go wrong in one summer? Right. And it's not fair because he wasn't there to make the decisions to drop the well-intentioned, but ultimately inefficient, less efficient pavement pounding to look for sponsorships or, or ad revenue. I thought it was legitimate. Are you saying that Zuckerberg was maybe a little bit justified in what he did because of how limiting or how limited uh, Eduardo's vision for Facebook was? I mean, you have to remember that these are college kids, right? And college kids are dumb. When he cracked a beer and sat down to blog in the opening scene, I was like, really? He was only a sophomore. Could he possibly have been 21? I get that it doesn't matter for college, but I need to remind myself that these are kids and they don't—they have no idea what a million dollar company is, let alone a billion dollar evaluation. Nobody knew what the right thing was. Eduardo was just doing the thing he knew. He was the most successful guy, the money guy 
guy because he had made 300000 in oil futures in the course of one summer. Mark didn't know the first thing about money. When they were talking and he was like, I need $1,000 or I need a couple hundred more, <laughs> that was money that he didn't have. Mark Zuckerberg didn't have $200 to get some additional coding work done. And he had to pretend like he was letting Eduardo consider it before saying go ahead. And I was like, really? $200? Because in the scheme of things, obviously they didn't know what Facebook was going to be about. But basically, Eduardo bought his share in 30%, which is, you know, at the Facebook's highest uh, valuation was something like that would have been worth $35 billion. <laughs> he, he bought in originally for a stake of a thousand bucks. Yeah. They, they just yeah. had no way of knowing what it would be. I think he was well-intentioned, but I don't necessarily think that Mark was any farther along in his enlightenment or his understanding process. I was hoping he was still just being a good guy. And, you know, I didn't want to work with the Winklevi because I wanted to work with my friends. Like, it was just a lucky thing that this thing went completely out of control. And I refuse to believe that even Mark Zuckerberg saw the full potential of Facebook when he moved it beyond a Harvard dating site, presumably, to what it ultimately became. Like, they were like, yay, a million, you know? Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg certainly seems to suggest that Mark Zuckerberg knew his own worth, his his own value, his own prowess. But yeah, I don't think anybody could have anticipated what Facebook would ultimately become, not even the Winklevi and Divian could have known. And even in the settlement, it seems that they didn't have the vision for what Facebook could be. Yeah, it was significant, though. $65 million. They haven't officially disclosed the terms, but the it's $65 million, which they then parlayed into Bitcoin. Hopefully they sold at the right time. They're very heavily invested. And last I heard, they were hanging on and Bitcoin is in the middle of a downturn. Army Hammer and his representation of both Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, they're kind of the man. Yes, they're gentlemen of Harvard, but they're also kind of spiteful too. Maybe a little entitled. And even though Mark Zuckerberg is portrayed as being very spiteful, he's also like the rebel and the one who wants to do it for free and give it to the people and deliver a cool product and wants it to be cool. They're painted in a very different light in Bitcoin Billionaires. They're the rejected tech folk who now can't, they can't even be angel investors because no one wants to take their money because they all want to be acquired by Facebook. And Facebook isn't going to touch a single company that, um, you know, is invested in by the Winklevi's company. Boo-hoo, no one will take our money, our many millions and potentially billions of dollars. So you're saying they're the man. They're the authority figures, not like you to man, not like that. Yeah, they were like the guys who were in it for money, whereas Mark Zuckerberg, little rebel that he was, wanted to do it to be cool. And I guess also wanted to, wanted to do it to get back at his girlfriend. Like he yeah, was kind well, of, the whole thing was set up that he was this jilted boyfriend who wanted to get back who did the whole thing to get back at his girlfriend. Right. For what I understand, he did blog about an Erica A, but at the time that Facebook came about, he was already dating his wife and to whom he's now married. The character of Erica Albright, played by Rooney Mara, is definitely fictional. A lot of true stuff here based on true people, but obviously spun and adapted and changed for the movie. I mean, we can do a whole episode on the discrepancies between the movie and what really happened. Like you said, Jesse Eisenberg kind of playing a Mark Zuckerberg type character. Zuckerberg, <laughs> he refused to see the movie at first and ultimately ended up seeing it with a bunch of Facebook employees. And when they asked him what he thought, he said, well, they got my wardrobe, right? <laughs> 
But of course, this is Zuckerberg who is kind of on the defensive in this movie. He's uh I wouldn't say he's a he's a good guy, right? No, definitely not. Somewhat of an anti-hero. I it's it's hard to even see how Eduardo put up with him or that he and this Erica chick could even have had a relationship with just how antisocial kind of exacting and weird that as he was. Yep. I mean, this opening scene didn't really have a lot of bearing on the movie, depending on how you look at it, because the Erica character almost very quickly disappears. He talks about getting into one of the final clubs, which he has no interest in by the end of the movie. It kind of motivates everything, though. Yes, exactly. When he could have had the socialization of being accepted by his peers in a final club, that didn't mean he was the boss. But just that he was a person in a good standing community and that he gets the girl and all that stuff. But he just talks himself right out of it. <laughs> and so it's what it's ultimately about. But in uh, all the all the whip smart Aaron Sorkin dialogue and the recursive nature of his topic switching. I mean, he, yeah, would, he would change topics and then all of a sudden come back and she couldn't keep up. He did it multiple right. times throughout the movie. And it's like his mind is running too fast for his own good, for his mouth to keep up, for his his well-being to keep up. That he operates maybe not on a better level, but at just a different level from everyone around him. And he's chasing the idea of the girl and a place in society mm. where he's not an anomaly, you know, always looking for mm -hmm. that acceptance. It doesn't have anything to do really with what they were saying, but how he was saying it in that initial conversation. It means little for the plot, but it means everything for the character. It shows why you value Eduardo Severin and his long-suffering friendship with Mark Zuckerberg, right? No yep. one else wants to be friends with, dude. I don't want to be friends with this dude. It shows you why he would be susceptible to a personality like Sean Parker, why he would pine after a girl with two feet on the ground like Erica Albright. And it also, and perhaps most importantly, shows why he would be a person of interest for the Winklevoss twins and what they need, right? The, the kind of social cachet that he gets from you know, interacting with people on crew, the kind of people that his girlfriend would find to be attractive or, you know, the kind of elite of Harvard. But also, you know, he has something that he knows that's a value to them. So it's kind of nothing and it's kind of everything for what would motivate him to interact with any of the other cast of characters. And Jesse Eisenberg playing the role seems like the sort of hapless guy who is brilliant, but maybe too much for his own good. Whereas the Winklevice seem like perfectly intelligent, certainly put together, presentable, social kind of guys who can just as easily converse with students as they can with the prince or people of high society that came to see them row and they look the part. They look like the business forward potential billionaires <laughs> or whatever. Totally the opposite from Mark Zuckerberg and a good foil to him, you know, in, in, in all respects as the bad guys, I guess, who, to your point, really weren't that bad. Maybe you did. You were sick. I couldn't tell which the man they were. But I mean, they were reasonable in their arguments and they got compensated. Like I wasn't mad, like, oh, my God, you gave those people sixty five million dollars. Come on. Maybe as portrayed in this movie, they had some basis for their claims. Maybe it wasn't exactly the same. But Markerberg, Markerberg, but Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> didn't have the foresight any more than they did. It just it worked. It was a good idea. But no one ever thought it was going to be at max valuation, a hundred and twenty five billion dollar idea. Yeah, it's a unicorn of a completely different color. 
And of course, Mark Zuckerberg went on to acquire Instagram, which is much more, I think, lucrative and profitable. I think the us old people are holding down Facebook, or not you, who I don't think ever actually created the profile, because you're weird. <laughs> you're like Bill Murray, where you only have like one archaic answering machine. And you like, that's the only way you keep in touch with people. Is that true? He has an answering machine. Does it have like a cassette tape in it? He got so fed up that he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have anybody. The people who are lucky enough to have Bill Murray's phone number can only access an answering machine where they will pitch him ideas and projects and stuff. And if he's interested, he'll call you back. That's what I heard. So when I had an opportunity to introduce myself in person to Bill Murray, I took it and he shook my hand just to make me go away without saying a word. With that Bill Murray kind of subtle face of disgust? Uh, no, not subtle at all. It was a literal eye roll and slow movement, just like, here's my hand. Can you go now? He doesn't really need a phone. I mean, the only person that he talks to is Wes Anderson, right? Well, I guess, let's, yeah, maybe if Wes Anderson calls him directly. And I guess if, yeah. if Jason Reitman calls him directly, maybe. Anyway, okay, back to the social network. I mean, I think they were good as the Winklevi, but not really bad either. Divya and Narendra, they were all, the, all of them, they were trying to keep up with their ideas. And as I'm sure people do at 20 or 21 years old and certainly even college kids and even at Harvard where you would chase someone across the quad if they piss you off right they acted I guess appropriately if I were Eduardo or even Zuckerberg I would probably react along the same lines when they get in over their head business-wise. The idea, the concept, and maybe even the coding is in their wheelhouse. But this angel investment, you know, moving millions of dollars in corporate restructure, when all that stuff happens, nobody's prepared for that, right? Not these kids. No, you just hope that you've got good counsel and people of integrity around you. Remember when, when Eduardo said, I was so stupid of me not to have my lawyers check this? You know, when they presented me th with this, in all fairness, I thought they were my lawyers. That was like the most <laughs> devastating thing. Just Ugh. like the people that he trusted turned against him and stabbed him in the back. Yeah. I mean, they should have been his lawyers. They should have been working with his best interests in mind. They worked for Facebook. He wasn't part owner in Facebook. But whatever happened on the other end really had, you know, had it out for Eduardo. I, I mean, I don't know. Did they... Sean Parker had it out for him, but only to the extent that he wanted his place. Yeah, that he wanted I mean, his place, but he was much more ruthless, at least being portrayed in this movie than Zuckerberg was. You didn't have to be so hard on him. But yeah, he was jockeying for position in what he conceived to be, and rightfully so, to be a billion dollar valuation. He got the meeting with the angel investors, and he definitely had more pull and more focused pull than Eduardo did, who was, you know, tramping around New York trying to get ad revenue. Yeah, a little misdirected. Pretty brutal thing. Pretty brutal, and yet not an entirely redeemable moment for the Mark Zuckerberg character. You yeah. know, you didn't have to be so hard on him makes you like him maybe what five percent more at least you see that he's not completely inhuman it's easy enough to vilify to some extent the sean parker character because he's not really super high profile he kind of disappeared presumably after this coke and sorority sisters party that they had that seemed to be you know the last time we saw the character when he was calling and kind of begging zuckerberg's forgiveness and he was saying yeah but this is going to be news and la the next thing we hear is rashida jones saying what happened to sean oh he still owns seven percent of the company but he's not the face anymore 
because of the controversy. Easy enough to vilify him because Sean Parker's kind of disappeared or whatever. But I think a lot of people would be happy to know that Eduardo Saverin didn't actually get diluted down to 0.03% from his original 30% stake being the CFO. He did get diluted, but down to 10%. And like the thing said, it was restored to the masthead, which I can't personally find anywhere, but good for him. I'm sure it's there. He's still wealthy as a result considerably more wealthy than the Andrew Garfield depiction of him. So that was fictitious, that he was diluted down to that percentage? And that's the point. Because that's pretty devastating. Right, it is down. So it is fictitious that it was down to that level. He does have 10% of Facebook, which last time I checked is billions and billions of dollars. And this is the point I'm making. Uh, a lot of liberties taken for the movie. Some of it's speculation, but I think it's the best kind. I think it's where you take historical fact and you shape it enough in a way that unlike the tender bar, which we reviewed recently, doesn't have to be real life necessarily. We understand that this is a portrayal. We, most of us, we know what Zuckerberg looks like and Jesse Eisenberg isn't it, but he captures the spirit. This captures the drama of a real life tale as told by Mesrick, which could be much worse. It could be dry and boring. And the social network, which I expected to be dry and boring, really sells it in a way that other movies don't. It played almost like a horror movie. You got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, mm. you know, kind of pop pounding and pulsing in the background. You don't know what's going to happen. There's betrayal and murder. Maybe not a horror movie, but like a thriller. Mm -hmm. Who knew yeah. that they could make the Facebook movie be tense and excitement inducing? Very tense. I think it's honestly the best kind of adaptation and delivery of a presumably true enough story it doesn't have to be down the line you know but it's not completely fiction yeah and um maybe this is sorkin's sweet spot too right most recently with chicago 7 and being the ricardos definitely into creating a fictionalized version of truish events that translates really well into a a cinematic format I think so. I think when Spielberg did Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he talked about wanting to revert back to an older style of Spielberg direction to make the movies all match. And I think that was a the wrong way. We expected a more mature, more Spielbergian Indiana Jones movies than the ones from 40 plus years ago. I think the social network is, for me, key Sorkin. This is sharp and smart, and it feels real, even though they're rapid-fire delivery. And he's since moved on to slightly more measured stuff, like Trial of the Chicago 7. But I think that the Sorkin that we know and love is perfectly embodied in this movie. It's, uh, it's contained, a lot like being the Ricardos, in that we don't really move much. Uh, it's contained in the offices of Facebook or in his dorm room and stuff. And this is how college kids really act. They do dumb stuff like face smash and talk trash about each other and blogs and <laughs> chase each other and threaten to beat each other up on campus, you know? He pulled punches, if that's one, if that's the way to put it, in being in the Ricardos, like a lot more devices that he employed. I think maybe there was some some lack of confidence that the straight narrative was going to carry us through. I don't think that Sorkin needed all the flashbacks and the jumping around in time versus Fincher's The Social Network, where we're pretty deftly going in and out of the deposition where they're questioning all the parties of the case. They use it to underscore something that happens in the driving narrative of the story, which all happened in the past. It does tie it together, legally speaking, as well as in a nice bow, because the deposition acts as a narrative. 
You're right, because Zuckerberg and Severin could have a really touching bro moment where they're showing Severin's friendship to him and then cut to deposition room where he's like, I couldn't have expected what was going to happen next. And you're like, oh, man. And you feel how effective that is to juxtapose what happened in the past to what's happening modern day. And so in that way, it's very tight. It's very controlled. It's got a good clip to it. And it's delivered in a way that keeps the tension and ratches it up for that final moment where everything comes to a head and you realize what we've always known the characters realize what we've always known which is that this is total rupture for the friendship or every relationship really that zuckerberg has ever had that we've been introduced to yep so tightly weaved that the deposition which actually took place somewhere between 2004 and 2006 was significantly after the events in this movie like years afterwards when all the litigation was happening it felt like just another part of the story it didn't feel like we were jumping around in time probably because we were contained within that little conference room or whatever but it did feel like it was a deposition immediately following some of the events when in fact it happened years later when, as he said, he was so rich by that point that he could have bought the Porcelain Club and turned it into his ping pong room. <laughs> I mean, we're well beyond a million members and a billion dollars at that point. Yes. Where $65 million and Saverin's undisclosed settlement was still a speeding ticket. It was like when Michael Jordan insisted on wearing his shoes and the NBA said those were not approved. We're fining you like... <laughs> 10 or $15,000 every game you wear them. It's like that puts a dent in my change dish, right? Spare change dish. <laughs> Probably good advertising for Air Jordans. Exactly. And well worth the money that they, they're like tens of thousands of dollars a game. He's like, I'm Michael Jordan, bitch. <laughs> there should be like the Mark Zuckerberg keyboard or like a computer kit or something that you could build and then be like a fanboy. I mean, I think Facebook has merchandise, but I think it's all like joke or spoof merchandise. But we'll see. I'm sure once Meta gets underway, he'll sell headgear and like VR stuff. So I'm sure it's coming. (laughs) Yeah. Hardware business is where it's at. I mean, just look at Apple. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got their Apple TV and streaming and stuff. Good luck with that. Please sponsor us. We love you. All I'm saying is that the metaverse is not going to become a thing until we don't have to wear things on our faces. True enough. Not even glasses? Maybe glasses, and they, but they got to be lightweight and cool and not plugged yeah. into something. My guess is it's going to be all our walls are going to be screens. We're going to have little tiny like LIDAR earpieces or eyepieces so that wherever our face turns, it'll activate those screens and we can see the things, whether they be AR or advertising or whatever they want us to see. And by they, do you mean the Winklevoss twins? Whoever. I don't care. Give me good content. (laughs) And that's what David Fincher does with the social network. Wouldn't you say? I'm guessing that you're going to give this one a totally. I am, but for weird reasons. Like, it's a personal totally for me. Would you be remiss in not seeing the Facebook movie? I don't know. But it is my favorite Come At Me Bro, David Fincher movie. Certainly my favorite Jesse Eisenberg movie. One of my favorite Andrew Garfield movies. My favorite Justin Timberlake movie. My Well, not Trent Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, but they propel it forward in a way that I think makes it really dramatic and compelling. I really like this movie, and I've seen it a bunch of times. I've even tried to get people like yourself to actually watch it because of this bias that comes with the Facebook movie. Actually, that turned out to be pretty good. I would be shocked if you gave this less than what I'm giving it, which is a totally, you need to at least give it a good, what are you giving it? I'm going to give the social network a good, and there you got it, a totally, what? 
from Wes, a good from Iris. That is our discussion of a movie from 2010, The Social Network. Thank you for listening to The Or Whatever Movies. Please subscribe to our podcast. Please follow us on social media. Which one? We don't even have (laughs) a Facebook profile. On Facebook's Instagram, call us at 818-835-0473 or email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Electric acid. Electric acid.